Put your hands together for him tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you sing this song with me? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Amen. KFC, I believe it is. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice for he has made me glad oh he has made me glad yes he has made me glad I will rejoice for he has made me glad he has made me glad oh he has made me glad I will rejoice for he has made me glad I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Oh yes, he has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad He has made me glad, oh he has made me glad I will rejoice for he has made me glad Oh let the redeemed of the Lord say so Let the redeemed of the Lord say so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, praise the Lord. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Praise the Lord, I've been redeemed by love divine, oh glory, glory, Christ is mine, oh to Him I have resigned, oh I have been, I've been redeemed by love divine, oh glory, Christ is mine, all to Him I now resign, I have been, I Amen, hallelujah, sorry I think we had it in a little bit of a high key there for you, amen, hallelujah, you love Him, amen, let's sing another uh, 
song slips my mind. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. That's it. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. Well, glory, glory to his name, he lives and reigns forevermore. and reigns forevermore. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, oh blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Jehovah Jireh is his name, for he provideth all my needs. Jehovah Jireh is his name, for he provideth all my needs. Hosanna, oh blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Can we bring it up to the key of G? If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, amen. We want to keep on the firing line. Let's sing it together. Well, if you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the fire in line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the fire in line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no a coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. Well, you must fight, be brave against all evil. Oh, never run or even lag behind. And if you win, God in the righteous, keep on the firing. Only use a soldier he can trust 
bless you all saints this evening and it's certainly good to have you with us in the broadcast tonight we welcome you to our bible study and just trust that tonight's service will be a blessing to you and uh, we appreciate uh, brother jeremy and helping us to get uh, where we are tonight and the ability to connect and uh, to have this kind of a seamless uh, service together and we trust that what is said will be an encouragement and a blessing to you I want to jump right in tonight because uh, we have many things to share with you 
And um, I just wanted to say that uh, we're always trying, always working and thinking about better ways to do our broadcast uh, from here. Uh, when we do it in church, it's pretty much a standard uh, way of broadcasting, but uh, we're going to be making some changes here and uh, you'll probably see it, uh, Lord willing, on the next broadcast, just a little bit in the format of how we do it. Um, we're just trying to make it easier for you. And we know that some of you who are online all day, especially our students, uh, you know, we know it's a little bit uh, tiring to be watching the screen again. And we, I understand that. We appreciate that. Um, but we're just going to try to do our very best. And we're always looking for suggestions and ways to improve. Um, I wanted to give you a couple of prayer requests tonight, and all of the prayer requests I'm going to give you are important. Uh, they are uh, updates for us, and uh, we've been sharing some news today, but I want to give you uh, some of the current information. And then what we'll do is we'll have a, a little reading of our scripture and have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to deal with uh, the subject of prayer just for a few moments and then we're going to use that as a springboard into the message tonight. I just have a simple thought, and I'm, I'm going to be very conscious of my time. Uh, so let's jump right in. First of all, Sister uh, Sister Carol Hendley uh, was admitted to the hospital today. Uh, she had a, a stressful couple of days. And then this morning, I called her phone, and uh, one of the local nurses there answered the phone and said that Sister Carol was on the way to the hospital with some sort of a heart issue. Um, they took her in and ran some tests. They found that there was uh, some abnormalities there, and they determined that she did indeed have a small heart attack and moved her on to a bigger hospital. Tomorrow afternoon, she is scheduled to have a heart cath, and they are uh, assuming that they may stent her, and uh, then she would be able to come home. That's what they're uh, assuming at the moment here. We need to remember Sister Carol in prayer and just trust that the Lord will uh, stand by her and assist her uh, during this time of need. Sister Cindy Walters was scheduled already to go down and be with Sister Carol for a few days. And so she is there staying at Sister Carol's house. And we appreciate that very much, Sister Cindy, for you to be there and to help Sister Carol in whatever way uh, that she needs it. And I uh, informed Sister Cindy that uh, she should contact me and let me know if there's any way that we can help uh, Sister Carol and to assist her. Uh, we also want to continue to remember Brother Josh Godwin, who is looking for work. And then also we want to remember Sister Kristen, uh, who is expecting another child and uh, having some issues. And so if you don't mind, we would sure uh, ask you to remember that need in prayer. We also want to remember Sister Greg. She did get out of the hospital. She is in Abernathy Laurel's uh, rehab center. She's going to be there about 20 days. Uh, they did finally find out where the cause of her bleeding was and altered some medications. And so she's doing a little bit better. Uh, but we would ask you as well to continue to remember her in prayer. I spoke with Brother Kenny Caps today. And uh, his son went through the surgery on Tuesday and is home today, uh, Caleb. And uh, he's uh, certainly recovering from uh, the trauma that he's been through and the loss of his friend. Uh, tomorrow, they're going to have a service at 3 o'clock at the Maiden Wesleyan Gym in Maiden uh, for Luke Barrett. And Barrett and his uh, family will be there. Uh, they're obviously going through a real time of shock. I assured uh, Brother Josh today that we would certainly remember that family in prayer. 
we want to remember Brother John Harwell's father, who uh, landed back in the hospital again, had a seizure. And uh, you remember a while back, we prayed for Brother John's dad, and uh, he experienced another seizure this week and was taken to the hospital in Columbus, Ohio. We also want to remember Brother John Cockman Sr. Uh, for uh, some needs that he has, physical needs, and we want to remember them in prayer. We also want to remember Brother Ron Spencer, and uh, on Sunday we were talking about his condition. Brother Ron has been confirmed with COVID pneumonia, and uh, he has had some rough nights. He went to the uh, UVA hospital today, and uh, they put a monitor on him so that they can monitor his uh, uh, system and his performance at home, so he does not have to be in the hospital at this particular time. And uh, I'm sorry, that that's Nathan Barrett, and I uh, apologize for that. Uh, we want to remember Brother uh, Nathan's family uh, in prayer. But if you don't mind, especially remembering Brother Ron uh, in prayer and just trusting that he and Sister Connie will both be feeling better and uh, asking that the Lord will just give him strength to get over this. Uh, the issue is uh, the, um, you know, the um, immune deficiency that he has because of the medication that he's taking there. And so we want to remember them in prayer. I also spoke today to uh, Brother Frank McComas and uh, Brother Frank's uh, church out in Arkansas, Hardy, Arkansas. Uh, they've been struck with the virus and it just swept through there. They have about 17 or 18 people who were confirmed positive and they are shut down. Uh, completely. And uh, I asked Brother Frank, would it be all right for us to remember them in prayer tonight? And he said uh, that would be certainly fine. So let's have a, a word of prayer and a little reading of our scripture. You see it on your screen in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul writes, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Lord Jesus, we approach you this evening sincerely and asking, Lord, now that you would just minister, Lord, to each one of these needs that we have. We do not come lightly into your presence because we know it is a great thing. It is an awesome thing, and it is a holy thing. And so, Lord, we just bow in reverence tonight, asking, first of all, that you would forgive us of anything in our lives, Lord, that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, you would just speak peace and healing to those who need it tonight. Lord, may you strengthen and give resolve to your people as they fight battles, Lord, in many different situations and many different ways. I commit them to you. I commit this service to you. We commit the people, Lord, and their current state in your hands, Lord, praying that you would build faith, that we might be able to transcend this world and leave and be united, Lord, with you and the saints that have gone before us. Have your way, we pray in Jesus Christ's lovely name. Amen. And amen. All right. Now, let me just, uh, I, I began to deal with this uh, thought here today, and I, I just ran some of these scriptures and quotes together. Um, this is just a preamble, really, to where I want to go tonight. And our, my lesson is relatively short, but I, I'm, I'm going to try to get there now as quickly as I can. So just bear with me. Have your phone out if you want to uh, send an amen. That's always very encouraging for me on this end right here because I can't see anything except my little computer screen in front of me here. Brother Mana made this statement in 1950 in a message called Diseases and Afflictions. He said, God didn't intend you to be sick. 
God made you in his likeness, and he wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well, and Satan's against you. God did not intend you to be sick, but we have an enemy, and Satan is against us. So therein lies the battle. We've used that statement many times. In Psalm 34, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. We are not immune from the troubles and the afflictions and the sicknesses in this life because we live in broken, fallen bodies. And as a result of that, there are afflictions that we endure perhaps even more than the ordinary person because we are not only uh, living in a world falling apart, in a body that's falling apart and aging, but we also are under the attack of our enemy, which we just uh, stated that uh, certainly exists and would do anything he possibly could to bring us down. In 1962, though, Brother Branham said, now there are times and things that happen that changes the whole course of our life. You know, I often think of Brother Branham as a little boy going down to get water with some buckets by the, by the spring near his house when he was just a, little, just a little boy. And all of a sudden he hears the wind in the tree and the voice that speaks to him. There's, that's, that's a life-changing event. And from that point in his life, things were never the same. You could apply this in many ways. You think about Paul on the road to Damascus, or you could go back and think about Moses at the burning bush. Those are events that change the course of your life, and life is never, ever the same again. Brother Bram said certain things take place along life's journey that changes the whole course of life for us. There are things that happen on a grand scale, like we we're talking about the burning bush, for instance, for Moses. But then there are certain things that happen to us, and they're not always pleasant things. Uh, it can be sometimes uh, maybe a divorce in the family, or it can be a car accident, or a sickness that's diagnosed, or you know some some unusual uh, negative thing that can happen in our lives. And and then there are other things that can uh, take place on the positive side as well. And sometimes you know God will. Uh, speak to you, maybe give you a dream or show you something. Uh, you know, maybe there's an, a supernatural event in your life, maybe a healing of something. And it just changes your life because it builds you and uh, builds you in, a, in an upward direction or, or uh, encourages and increases your faith. But very rarely can any of us say that life just carries on forever like it is. There are changes that change the course of life for us. And we have to learn to deal with that. In everything that we go through, nothing is a surprise to God. And so we are able always to cast our cares upon him because he does care for us. We can never adopt, even though it's tempting, we can never adopt the idea of fatalism, which simply says uh, that all events are predetermined in advance for all time, and human beings are powerless to change them. That, unfortunately, is, uh, or fortunately, is, is contrary to Scripture, and it's also contrary to what Brother Branham taught us. He said prayer changes things. It is, uh, it is important for us to remember what Jesus taught us as well. He said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. Those are positive things to us. A fatalistic attitude, in a sense, throws up its hands and doesn't really worry about uh, you know, pers persevering or pressing in or trying to do anything uh, that might alter that life-changing event that took place in your life. Just because a life-changing event occurs doesn't mean that you are bound by it for the rest of your life. I believe that we should continue to pray and seek God and ask him to deliver us or to help us or to continue to deal with us 
in, in ways according to his will. Because sometimes those life-changing events may appear to be negative, but they wind up being good in the long term. Because all things work together for good to them that love God. And so it's important for us to recognize the power of God to take situations and turn them around. Brother Branham said in Be, in Be Not Afraid, It Is I. I gave you this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to share it again with you. He said, Jesus climbs so high into glory until he sets on the Father's throne. He looks down, and not even a sparrow can fall without him knowing it. He knows how sick you are. He knows your doubts. He knows your frustrations. We're in a terrible storm, but don't be scared. There's somebody watching. The one who perceived the thoughts of the mind, he hasn't laid down in a grave so he can't see you, but he's climbed into glory and he can see even the sparrow that falls in the street. I am very thankful for that. There's nothing you can hide from God. There's nothing that God doesn't see. And so because he sees and he knows and he's omniscient, he's all powerful and he's omnipotent. So he's able to minister to that need, even supernaturally. He's the God who can line the sides of the Nile River with angels and put Gabriel on top of a sword when Moses was floating down in the ark. Well, let me tell you something. Let me encourage you tonight. Even though we may be in a terrible storm, don't be scared. There's somebody that's watching and he always sees you no matter where you are, no matter what you go through. But remember now, and, and again in this life, 1960, Brother Branham says, it was not meant for you to have peace here, complete peace here. You can have good days and you can have bad days. And you can have times when you feel close to God and times when you don't. You can have times when you feel strong. And then there's other times when your strength seems to have escaped you. There's times when you can sleep well and there's other times when you're troubled all through the night hours. But remember this, that if if you're living in this world, in this body, and you're a believer, it is not meant for you to have total 100% peace here. If you did, you'd get accustomed to this world, and you'd never pray to leave it. God doesn't want you customized to this world. He wants you to rest in him and come to him, and then you will have shalom. Then you will have the peace that passes understanding. It's your it's your commitment to and your uh, closeness to the Prince of Peace that brings you peace. Peace is a person. It's not a place. It is not a thing. It is not a feeling. Peace is a person. It is the prince of peace. And so it's important for us to hang on to that. Now, <clears throat> there are times when we need to elevate the level of prayer. Mark chapter 9. This is remember when uh, Jesus cast the uh, epileptic demon out of that boy that the disciples could not. And when he was coming to the house after that event, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, what's really interesting is that when you go back and read the account, Jesus neither prayed nor fasted when he cast that demon out. But it seems like that he lived in such a realm where he had such communion and intimacy with the Father that he was able to speak and his word was honored. But for us, who he knew would live in this world, in this changing, troubled world, there are times when you have to elevate uh, the intensity and the sincerity of prayer. In other words, this is where desperation comes into play. This is not automatic, and this is not easy. This is something that you realize, unless God moves, I really, I really don't have a solution. 
I have nowhere else to turn and I've used up all my resources. There's nowhere else I can go. And there are times when the circumstance will drive the level of intensity of prayer. And th there are times when we need to do that. You know, I look at this prayer list I just gave you, Sister Carol and Brother Ron and, uh, you know, Sister Kristen and uh, all the different ones, you know, Sister Greg and the things she's going through and their families associated with them. Let me tell you, these things are not easy. They're not trivial. And there are others that I did not mention. I will say this, that sometimes it really does uh, help. And there's, there's a great consolation in sometimes just praying and fasting and just leaving that need before the Lord. There are other ones as well, and you people that are listening, you're fully acquainted with those needs. So here's a couple of pieces of advice that I can, I can leave with you in this subject here. Philippians chapter 4, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are on CNN, nope, doesn't say that. Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's a great promise. So the things that are pure and honest and just, those are the things we want to think about. And the things that are virtuous, not the things of the world, but the things that are virtuous, those are things that we want to center our thoughts on. I will tell you, I will assure you, it's not easy. We have access to more media and more information and more entertainment than we ever have in our lives. But here's the thing. Our faith doesn't grow. Even if something is not evil, our faith doesn't grow when we think on those things. Our faith grows when we listen to the right things. Here's Brother Branham again in Where I Think Pentecost Failed in 1955. He said, you can never exhaust God's love and mercy to you. Don't think that you could ever ask too much of God. You have not because you ask not, and you ask not because you believe not. Now remember, the right kind of believing comes because you have the right kind of faith, and faith comes by hearing. He wants us, listen now, he wants us to ask, and believe that our joys would be full. He wants you to ask abundantly. Ask for big things. Don't limit your faith to some little mustard seed. Get on out to here to some other kind of faith, another level of faith, and move out in big things. Ask. Big things is just as easy to receive as little things. You just have to believe, that's all. You just have to believe. Those are four very powerful words. And here's a prophet, a 20th century prophet, telling 20th century believers to do this. Ask for big things. Don't limit your faith and don't underestimate God's ability to meet your need on a grand scale. God is able to do great things. God is able to heal. God's able to deliver. God's able to save your children. God's able to do wondrous and supernatural things, and we should not limit our faith nor limit the capacity of God to act on behalf of his people. He loves his people. He wants to bless his people more than even they want to be blessed themselves. And big things are just as easy to receive as little things. Maybe you're struggling with debt. Maybe you're struggling with job issues. Maybe you're struggling with, uh, with a chronic health condition. Let's, let me tell you this. Let me encourage you to ask for big things. Now, I'm going to give you a little help in that tonight. Let's just carry on just a little bit further here. Brother Branham says in 1956, he said, I'm almost done with my preamble here. He said, that's what the devil likes to work on. 
That's what the devil likes to work on you and oppress you. You know that's a trick of the devil to oppress. But when the Christian knows his legal rights, then you can quote God's word and say, Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That takes all the oppression away. Hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? And that's a wonderful thing to know. And the clouds begin to clear back. And if you just know that God has promised and God's faithful, he can keep his promise or he'd never promise it. I've taken off from the from the uh, airport runway many, many, many times in my life. I don't know how many times in my life, and I don't want to count, so don't ask me how many times. But I, I remember uh, many, many times uh, taking off, and it'd be a, a cl- it'd be a cloudy day, or it'd be raining, or snowing, or something like that. And I will guarantee you that every time you reach a certain height, there's sunshine there. You may not be able to see it from your vantage point. You may not be able to see it from the runway. But let me tell you, you get enough height in faith, and you will see the sun break through. And there's, it, it, it's, it's like a different day altogether when you break through that cloud, uh, cloud barrier and you see the sun shining in its full strength. The devil likes to put that that layer above us. He likes to oppress us with that, uh, with that darkness or grayness above us. I will assure you tonight that when we, when we hold on to those promises and you can quote God's word, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. It takes all the oppression away. And God said it. That's why he made the promise. And when he makes a promise, we know our God keeps that promise. How many of you can say amen? All right. Here's Paul's advice to us as believers. But let us who are of the day, that's people who are walking in light. That's people who are of the day. They're not in in darkness. They're not stumbling in darkness. We can see clearly by God's grace. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, hold on. You got to remember again. Now, this is simple, but you had to remember God is actually, Paul is actually saying this to believers, that believers are indeed under attack, and believers need to have protection. They need to have the uh, the strength that comes with uh, a helmet and the hope of salvation and the sword of the uh, of the word and all the other things that are there. This is not for unbelievers. This is the 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 outfit of a believer. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. And so uh, that's my point tonight, is that, uh, you know, because we are Christians, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, there shouldn't be any struggle. There shouldn't be any fight. I have news for you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, and we need to be dressed for combat and we need to be holding those weapons high because the enemy is coming against us in many different ways now. All right, last quote in the preamble. Here we go. Watch this quotation now. God keeps his word. 1957, Brother Branham said, God, you see the situation. This is a woman he's got in the prayer line, and he said the woman's got cancer. It's death, exactly. Now, Heavenly Father, I cannot control that. But I can ask you, when you was on earth, you said I could speak to my father and he'd send a legion of angels. I pray this because this woman has been used tonight as an example that you will take away this demon from her body. Now watch this. 
He said, I'm praying this way because this woman is an example. And he said, you're going to take away that demon from her body. And may it leave as I pray. That's not what he says. As this church prays, not only me, but the rest of us, that that shadow will be gone from the woman. Now, I'm not really sure what Brother Bram is referring to when he says that this woman is here tonight as an example. Maybe it's an example of God's power to deliver and heal, which it certainly is. But he may also be using that phrase to say that as this church prays, not only Brother Branham, because Brother Branham was not the only person qualified or commissioned to pray for the sick. I am, and you are. And so we know that when a church prays, that's more people than just one. And Brother Branham says that as this church prays, not only me, but the rest of us, that that shadow, we have a common prayer. We, we, we know exactly what's going on. She's been diagnosed. She has a shadow there, and we need to pray together. That's what he's encouraging the church to do. He's not taking this all on himself. He's not pointing everything to himself. He's just in, he's involving the church. He's drawing the church into where their faith is going to rise now. Because if something happens to this woman and that shadow is gone, their faith is naturally going to rise. And they're going to be stronger when it comes to the next instance there. Let me tell you something. I want to say this about my church. I appreciate you folks and your willingness and sincerity in praying for people when we give prayer requests. I tell people everywhere when they call me, and I will assure you, I get lots and lots of calls and emails and so forth that people have have requests. There are lots of requests that I have tonight. I could fill out another sheet of requests that you are not aware of that people have given me. And I will tell those people every time. I tell them, my church will pray. If I bring this to them and explain it to them, I said, my church will pray. And I, I consider that a fabulous testimony uh, of our church at HBT, and I appreciate your sincerity in doing that. And here's Brother Branham. He's encouraging the church because, you know what? We're not always going to have Brother Branham. We know that's true. And we don't always have maybe a minister even who's present, but as the church prays. So even if we're spread out in different places like tonight, we can all pray for these needs that are there. And Brother Brandon encourages us to ask big. So we should we should uh, essentially do that as well. Brother Brandon goes on and says she knows something by her, and she knows something's by her, has told her by the Bible that it's the truth. And now may the demon leave because it's said in the Bible, in my name they shall cast out devils. Wonderful. Uh, so we're back now at our screen here, and I want to draw your attention to the title, The Image of the Father, Part 5, and this is The Power of the Believing Church. Now you understand a little bit more about that title, all right, The Power of the Believing Church. And as Brother Branham drew the whole church in to pray, then we also, as a body, we should learn to pray and continue to pray together communally uh, for the needs that are represented among us here. Okay, so let me just, uh, I, I just want to focus now and just a very briefly here on where I want to take you tonight with this thought, all right? And uh, I want you to take notice of a couple of things here. First of all, and, and I'm going to give you two quotes that I've shared with you before, so I'm going to drop down to the second paragraph. Brother Ram's talking about, you know, thanking God for the church that he's in for this revival. And he says, and we know, Lord, that thy church is not in the majority this morning, the true believers are in the minority. If you're in the minority, you fight harder. 
is like an athlete in second place. He runs, he, he probably puts more effort into it because he's in second place. The believers are not in second place, but we are in the minority. The, the vast majority of people do not believe what you believe. They're not moving in the direction you're moving in. And so therefore you have to have a perseverance about you that is really above the normal. It is extraordinary. Brother Manum couples that statement in 1959 when he says the church is not in its right state yet. We have to remember that it's not matured. So we just have to linger and do the best we can. Now I need to stop right here because Brother Manum's not handing over the maturing process to the church. He's just guaranteeing us that because we are not in the right state yet, the Holy Spirit still has more to do. We had to remember that. We're going to be brought to maturity. Let's read the next paragraph. And there's no one can bring it to maturity, only the Holy Spirit. As we listen to it, I don't believe it'll ever come by man. It'll have to come by God. So nobody's going to lay hands on you and make you a mature saint. Nobody's going to come along and preach one particular sermon uh, that's going to have the key to everyone's maturity. Neither are you going to be associated with believers enough to actually become mature. Let me tell you, there are many people who have hung around in good churches and turned out bad. It's not by association. It is not by intelligence. The church comes to its right state by the work of the Holy Spirit in her. And that's how it happens. So it doesn't come by man. It has to come by God. And that's what the goal is of the, of the harvester. That's what the goal is of the, uh, the husbandman, which is in, in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, my father is the husbandman. He's looking for the precious fruit of the earth. And so he's committed to the process to bring us to a place of maturity, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. You just need to be in a place to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to let him bring out of you what's there. And you have to remain in his presence in order for that to happen. And that's a very important and a powerful thing. Okay? So the church is in the minority. This is not going to be for everybody. You're going to be outnumbered all the way around. And number two, we're not in our right state. This is 1959 when he says that. But we will come to our right state. As a matter of fact, this is kind of a, an interesting statement. Brother Branham says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. First John 3, I'm reading 1, 2, and 3. Therefore the world knew us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there are things about the future that we don't even know. We don't even know about ourselves. Uh, it, I think I mentioned to you on the weekend that uh, it, it's, it's like uh, Jesus when he was on the road to Emmaus. And uh, they asked him, they said, you know, don't you, under, don't you know what's going on, the events that are taking place in Jerusalem? And, and truly, he was the only one who did know. And so there are people who do not recognize, they did not recognize Jesus in his day. They never recognized believers in their day. And I will tell you, they're not going to recognize a minority of people who have not come to full maturity yet in our world, because even we don't know what we will come to before we leave here. But we do know, we do know, and this is our promise, that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So this hope of becoming like him 
and stepping into that eternal realm is the hope that uh, encourages each man and purifies us even as he is pure. And we become like that by the work of the Holy Spirit as we listen and believe, as I mentioned in the previous quote. So, in the spoken words, the original seed in the second part, Brother Brandon makes this statement, and I think it's really good. He said, now the power of the believing church, Christ has all power in heavens and in earth. That scripture is below here in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Now Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus, Jesus is declaring where the power is. All power is given unto me. Well, if all power is given unto him, someone doesn't have power. And that someone is Satan. Satan is given a certain amount of power or authority or a right to act. But it's not his. He doesn't have ownership over it. All power belongs to Jesus Christ. And so therefore, Satan will try to come and convince us and convince our world that he has all kinds of power, and he really doesn't. The Bible says he doesn't. All power is given unto me, Jesus said. So then he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word, go ye therefore, is not, not the, the uh, primary verb in this sentence. Now this, this, just believe, trust me when I tell you this. The idea conveyed is is this when Jesus gives this commission. It's like he's saying, in your going, because I know that humankind, we travel, we move, we, we uh, go for business, we go for uh, leisure, we go for different reasons to different places. In your going, therefore, go and be a witness, go and teach, go and baptize, go and represent the kingdom. That's more accurately, perhaps, uh, the, our, our English understanding of that word. It is not Jesus saying, all right, everybody's sitting here. I want you to go, and I want you to go. He's just saying, in the normal course of life, as you go, go and represent the kingdom. Teach the gospel. Baptize those that believe. And, uh, you know, preach the kingdom of God and, and uh, you know, the, the, your relationship with Christ. Brother Branham says it very simply. He says, tell others how your candle got lit. So in your going to work, in your going to school, in your going to the shop, in your going to, uh, you know, your, your different affairs in life, go and represent the kingdom. That's the idea. And Brother Branham, go back up to the quote now. He says, now, what if he's in you? He who has all power, and remember his opening sentence here, the power of the believing church. What if he's in you? Has Christ got all power? Matthew 28. And he in us becomes the seed word in us. All that God was, he poured into Christ. And all that Christ was, he poured into the church. That's the power. The power we have is not assumed. The power we have is not because you're in a specific church. The power you have is because God keynosed himself into Christ and then Christ into the church. And so the power is real. That's why Brother Branham opens up this paragraph with that statement, now the power of the believing church. So we are confronted with this idea of discovering the strength of the local church and the strength of the bride. That's what I want to that's what I want to prick in your thinking tonight. I want to I want you to make I want to make you think about that. 
that he's actually challenging us to believe in the power of the local church and the power of a believing bride. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to stir up uh, something that isn't there. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, um, you know, promote something that uh, some kind of a new ministry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all trying to do that. I, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to remind you that Brother Branham here is challenging us, and Jesus is is clarifying for us that all power is given to Him. Now you go because I'm going to take this power and I'm going to pour it into the church. I'm going to transplant it into the church. It will transform you, number one, but it will also empower you in your going. Go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize. And so this church is not a passive group of people. This this church is not, uh, you know, a, a people who have uh, an attitude of laissez-faire or we say that, uh, you know, a fatalistic attitude, well, whatever will be, will be. And, you know, God's got it all predestinated. And so I can just sit back with my big gulper here tonight and, uh, I can watch the video and that's fine. Hey, there's more to it than that. You are called upon, you are challenged to affect the world around you. Let's take this just a little bit farther here tonight. Now, that's why Paul says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, this is a very important explanation that Paul gives here. All right? Now, let me, let me just give you a little background here. He's, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says, We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ who was born, lived, died on the earth, on a cross, and was raised from the dead. But even more than that, let's say... This and, and this is what Paul is explaining to them, that this was none less than God himself who became man. In other words, God condescended to the earth. In the Greek culture, in the Greek world, it was impossible for a Greek intellectual to think that God would touch this earth, that God would bother himself or God would lower himself to come to this earth. They looked at the earth as a place of sin, a place of corruption, a place of Roman domination, a place of uh, sinfulness and taxation and uh, nations overtaking other nations and wars and death and sickness. They said, there's no way that God would, that the God we believe in would ever come to this earth and, and take up habitation on this earth. Paul is saying he did. We preach Christ crucified that he did come to the earth. He humbled himself in the form of a man and he died a death of a common criminal on the cross. Unto the Jews, first of all, this was a stumbling block that this Jesus could be that Messiah, that this Jesus who disagreed with them and contradicted their teachings and their traditions, that this Jesus could actually be the son of Joseph, come from Nazareth, and that he could actually be the Messiah, the creator. They knew the power and the, and the authority of, of the creator. And here's, here's the Jews looking at Jesus and saying, uh, you know, this, this is not possible. This is absolutely not possible. Unto the Jews, it was a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, though, it was foolishness. Because for the Greek thinker to think, that God could actually be made in the image of a man, my goodness, that is that is too far-fetched. That is foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul said it is true nonetheless. It may seem impossible. It may seem illogical. It may seem far-fetched, but it's true nonetheless. And that's what he's ascertaining. Now, 
Let me just say two things about about this whole idea of um, what we're talking about here and God being made in the image of man. He condescended to the earth, the earth that he called good. And the man he fashioned from the earth, he also called him good. And good in the sense that he was made in the image of God. And he was, he was in the Hebrew tradition or in the Hebrew culture, the Hebrews believe that uh, the, the man that God created, mankind created in the image of God, had potential far beyond what we think as normal human beings. Now, I'm reading you from a, a book that I have here, and this is Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, who was uh, formerly the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, uh, so in, in Great Britain. He made this comment about Genesis 126, and he said this. He said, in the ancient world, back in the days prior to the flood, it was rulers, emperors, and pharaohs who were held to be in the image of God. Well, that's true. They believed, Pharaohs believed that they were gods, and they were treated like gods. But the, the, the rabbi goes on to say this. So what Genesis was actually saying is that we are all truly royalty. The early readers of Genesis knew the text was making the astonishing claim that all humans, not just rulers, are representatives of God on the earth. So when God made man, uh, he made him a minor God. And this is not just reserved for uh, prophets and for pharaohs and for kings and for rulers. Uh, even there are monarchs today that believe they believe they're divinely appointed to be uh, royalty in our time. That's still very true in our world. The Hebrews believed that in that ancient world, this was not just for pharaohs and monarchs. This was for mankind. Men were made in the image of God. I want to say this to you tonight. I believe that believers are made in the image of God. And God called that good. The second idea that sets Christianity apart is this idea of the incarnation. That God could actually create a, a temple, a body, and step into it in its fullness. So this is not God creating a man in his image. This is God creating himself, a house that he comes and actually dwells in. It's called the incarnation. And the, God, the idea that God actually entered into this life as a human being and continues to do so was absolutely foolishness to the Greek thinker. And that's why Paul uses this scripture right here tonight. That's why Paul uh, you know, refers to this as the Bethlehem bombshell, that this was none less than Emmanuel, which is God with us. This is the truth of God's word that God has arrived on the scene and he's taken the form of a human being. Well, you say, how do you know that, Brother Barry? Well, John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Colossians 2.9 says, for in him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And all that God was, he poured into Christ and all that Christ was, he poured into the church. So this idea, this idea that uh, God, God could actually incarnate himself, that he could condescend and he could come to this earth and live in a body. It proves the, that this is not a religion of just another place way off in the sky somewhere, but rather this is where heaven and earth actually unite, that God can step from that kingdom and step into something that is a creation of this kingdom, and he can blend the two. And that's why... That's why 
as a son of God, you have authority. And as you get all a bunch of sons of God together and have them begin to pray in agreement for something, let me tell you, there's probably a power there that we have not fully realized as a church. Brother Branham said in 1965, lean not unto your own understanding. That's the way every believer is. You wasn't born for this world. You was created in the image of God to be a son of God. And you don't belong in this chicken yard out here. You're an eagle. Now, stop for a minute because this can be easily misunderstood. All right. Now, I want you to bear with me here. We were not born for this world. But guess what? We're here. We are here. And we have the earnest of eternal life in us now, which is none less than eternal life. But we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our deliverance. It's the earned the down payment that God paid in order to uh, secure our full redemption. Yes, today we sent over a payment of eleven thousand dollars to uh, our printer in China. And that was the earnest money. That was the down payment that we pay in order for them to proceed with the work and and to be assured that we are investing in this and we are going to pay the balance when this is all completed. It is the earnest money. We, we sent that today. And so, therefore, there is an intent that we have in giving that money to them and they trust that we have in giving that money to them. In the same way, God has given us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's given us a new birth. It is a trust and it is an investment because you know what? We are representatives of the kingdom in this world. Now, let me just carry this on just a little bit further here because I want to, uh, I want to just elaborate on this just a, a little bit more here. Brother Branham says, Christians don't have any desire to act like that or act like the world because they're not really American. Now, I don't know whether you knew it today, but today is actually National Immigration Day. They have National Donut Day and they have National Left-Handed Day. Today is National Immigration Day. As a result of that, I was asked to speak in one of my wife's classes to a group of uh, students there and explain to them what it was like to go through the immigration process because I am a true immigrant. And today is the day that we honor uh, immigration and the immigration promise, and we're thankful for that. I am very thankful for that. Matter of fact, this is my first presidential election that I'm able to vote in, and I'm not going to vote by mail. I'm going to go in that booth there. I might have to dress up in my spacesuit, but I'm going to go in the booth and I'm going to actually vote because I've never done it before. And I'm looking forward to that. Now, aside from that, Brother Branham is making an important statement here. As citizenship, they are here. But they are pilgrims and strangers. Our true citizenship, I'm adding that word true, our citizenship is in heaven born from above where holiness and godliness rule. But now, again, we don't really belong here, but we are born here. And we exist here. We coexist with this world. We share the same ground, the same air, same water, same everything. We coexist with this world. But we are citizens of another kingdom. Again, 
take the statement in the next quote here. Our citizenship is of above, and above is holiness, purity, power, and revelation. And as citizens of the kingdom, let's look for our king. Notice what he says again. Above is holiness, purity, power, and revelation. That's what it's like in the kingdom of God. But you know what? We're not there. Potentially we're there, and we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but I have news for you. If you're listening to my voice tonight and watching your screen, you're here. You're on this earth. So as a result, if that if we have been joined together with that kingdom by our new birth, <clears throat> and we are united together in a, in, a, in a kingdom with Christ by the Holy Spirit, then we reflect the attributes or the characteristics of that kingdom in this earth. Excuse me. Our citizenship is from another kingdom. And we reflect holiness, purity, power, revelation here because we are still here as citizens of that kingdom over there while we wait to go to that kingdom. I hope that makes sense. Again, Brother Branham says the same thing. He is our king, king of saints. Right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. It is not of this world system, even as we are not of this world. That's the reason we act different from the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. I can show you two valid passports that I have, one for Canada, one for the U.S. But you know what? I can also show you a third one. We reflect the spirit of the world of our rebirth where Jesus is the king. We reflect the spirit of the world of our rebirth where Jesus is the king. So I have an American passport, I have a Canadian passport, and I have a life which is lived, not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me, that is a reflection of the kingdom that I come from. Where am I reflecting that light? Where am I reflecting those attributes of holiness, purity, revelation? Where am I reflecting that? Let me tell you, I'm reflecting it here in this earth. Here in this world, that's exactly where I'm reflecting it. Now, let me let me just jump to this scripture. Now, if you have your Bible handy, this is one scripture that you might want to look at. Paul says in Philippians 3.20, all of the book is Philippians is great. I read it all today, and I, I went through this chapter 3 very carefully again. Watch what he says now. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that word conversation mean? Because that's critical in this statement Paul is making here. Watch. Conversation is the Greek word polituma, from which we get our word political, right? Or that would be a root word for the word political. It means literally the administration of civil affairs or the constitution or form of government and laws by which a commonwealth is administered. Let me read it again. The word conversation here, Paul says, our conversation. In other words, we have been administered a set of laws or guidelines given to us by the kingdom that we are a citizen of. And he says, from that kingdom, we look for the Savior who shall deliver us. And Jesus said, hey, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. And I go to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare a place, he said, I will come and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. So there is there is another kingdom. And we're going to eventually go to that kingdom. But in the meantime, we actually 
our lives are being administered or governed by the laws of that kingdom while we're here on this earth in this body. Do you believe that? If you believe that, let me see it. Text an amen there on your phone. Our life, our conversation is literally an administration by a higher power to govern us while we are living in this body, in this kingdom. Now, I need you to... <laughs> I need you to go back a couple of verses here just to get a little bit of the context here. Watch what Paul is telling the Philippian believers. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Paul says, I want you to think like this. I want you to think with me. I want you to think together. I want you to agree together now on this on these principles here. Nevertheless, whereof, uh, whereto we have already attained let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let's mind the same thing. So therefore, let, let, me, let me give you this just a little bit of background here. We have, been, we have become Christians not just to hide out until we get released from here and we travel to our new home. And we, we somehow barricade ourselves behind the walls of our church and our fellowship hall and our youth group. And uh, we hide there until Jesus says, all right, you know, everybody, let's go. And we step into our new body. That's not the way it is at all. And that's not what Paul is trying to say. And I, let me leave you with this challenge tonight. All right. The city of Philippi was a city where. It was under Roman influence, and there were many citizens in that city who were Roman citizens. And you could, you could call it historically a Roman town, a Roman city. And so Paul is using this, this phrase here, uh, the polytuma, because if you are a Roman citizen, you were not, it was not the intent of the Roman government, listen very carefully, it was not the intent of the Roman government for you to go back to, to Rome and live there and be a Roman. They wanted you as, as a Roman citizen to secure a conquered country by affecting the local culture with Roman culture. That's what the Philippian, that's what the Philippian people were told to do. The Roman government didn't say to everybody in Philippi who was a Roman citizen, all right, everybody come back to Rome now, you're all citizens. Uh, just don't, don't do anything until we call for you and then come on, everybody come back to Rome. No, they said stay where you are in a conquered town and spread the Roman culture and the Roman laws and the Roman way of life in that city that you're in. That's what he's referring to here, that our conversation is in heaven. So in other words... Jesus doesn't say, all right, you're all Christians, so just kind of hide and stay where you are until I call for you, and then you'll all come to heaven. No. Wherever you are, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. Spread the culture of the kingdom of God. Spread the, the uh, governance, if you like, Spread the good news of Jesus Christ in the kingdom that you're in because huh, he's already conquered it all. He's already, he's already paid the price. 
So what do the people in this world believe it? They're living in a conquered kingdom. You're the representative of that kingdom in this place. So therefore, stay where you are, let your light shine before men, and spread the good news. That's what we are to do. That is the power of the believing church. That is the authority you have to actually spread the good news of another kingdom in this kingdom where you live, and then in time, we who look for the Savior, one day we'll have our summons from on high, and he'll say, come on home, uh, well done, my, my, my good and faithful son. That's what he's going to do. But in the meantime, we're not just to hide out and, and just to be uh, you know, non-effective and uh, you know, to be, in, in a sense, neutralized by this world or passive about this world. You are here as a representative of that kingdom. Now listen, you, it, it's not going to be profitable to get involved in the political process. It's not going to be profitable for you to get out there. And uh, I, I don't think unless you feel led to get out there and, you know, uh, have great sweeping revivals around the world. I believe that day is done. But you can affect the people where you go. And that's what Jesus says, go into all your world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize those that believe and pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what he says. Baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing the message of the hour, printing the message of the hour, distributing the message of the hour, financing the, you know, the, 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 the mission uh, work that goes on, uh, doing your part to extend the kingdom in this place where you are because God hasn't called us home yet. When he calls us home, hey, no problem. <laughs> we'll know what to do when we get there. While we're here, we need to be good citizens. Even though our citizenship truly is in heaven, we're still in this body on this earth. I hope that makes sense. And if you understand it, that's the power of the believing church. That's the strength of the believing church, is to realize that God has commissioned you as a representative of that kingdom to be effective in the Philippi where you live, in the town where you live. Our, our affairs, our handling of money, our handling of relationships, our handling of our children, our handling of our time are all governed by the civil affairs of another authority, a higher power. But I trust and pray that it'll sink into our hearts that God has got us here for a reason. And you should be praying and asking God, Lord, use me as a vessel in this kingdom while I'm here. I want to be bold for the kingdom. I want to be straightforward. I want to be honest to give answers for the hope that lies within me. May the Lord richly bless you. I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to ask you as a believing church to be praying uh, for the um, for the needs that we have mentioned right here. I'd like to add in, if it's all right, I'd like to add in Brother John Cockman Jr., uh, who's not feeling well tonight, and I'd like to add him to that list and just pray that the Lord will bless him and uh, give him the touch that he needs tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And as we join our hearts together, Lord, even in this even in this setting in my office here, Lord, sitting here by myself, I can feel a pull, Lord, a, a drawing of the other saints, Lord, who are uh, listening tonight. And I, I just I just want to lift up these needs before you tonight, believing, Lord, that you hear us and you empower your church, Lord, to believe and to go forward and to be, uh, be asking for big things because you're a God who supplies. And it's just as easy for you to supply a big thing as a little thing. Lord, I, I think of Brother John Harwell's dad. I think of Brother 
John Cockman Sr., Brother John Cockman Jr. And Lord, for, uh, for the Barrett family tonight, Father, I commit them and their burden, their great loss into your hands, just asking that you would draw near to them and be their comfort tonight. We pray for Sister Greg. We pray for Sister Kristen tonight. We pray for Sister Anna Pritchard. We pray for Brother Ron Spencer. We pray for Sister Carol. We pray, Lord, for Brother Frank and the saints out there in Hardy, Arkansas. And Lord Jesus, there are just so many others. And I, I, I just sometimes, Lord, you just feel the weight of all of these needs here. I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would draw near to them. Lord, may, may, as Brother Brandon prayed for that lady, Lord, who had cancer, not just me, but as the whole church prays, we lift these needs up before you. And Lord, we're looking for a good report and a good outcome. I commit the people to you. Bless their week. Protect us, Lord. And I pray you would guide us while we live here under your administration, waving our passports high as citizens of the kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Thank you for coming and uh, being part of our Bible study tonight. May the Lord richly bless you, and Lord willing, we'll see you on the weekend.